0: back to another edition of the drive for podcast i am your host jordan reed you can follow me on twitter at jreedNFL. nfl that's at j r e i d nfl this is a very special episode because it is the nfl scouting combine edition and the nfl scouting combine is officially kicking off this week and this event holds a special place in my heart because it is the official kickoff to the nfl offseason It's a huge convention to where every team gathers together to focus on these prospects that they have been studying over the past few months. And it's not just that, though. There's trade rumors that come out. There's contract negotiations that surface as well with certain free agents that they want to get these contracts done with so they don't hit the unrestricted free agent open market. And we're starting to see some of these trade rumors arise already. Antonio Brown and the Pittsburgh Steelers, that issue has still yet to be resolved, but... The Steelers did not give Antonio Brown and his agents permission to seek out trade partners, and that's something that they will be doing at the Scouting Combine. There's been rumors that have surfaced that three teams are already interested in Antonio Brown. What those three teams are or who those three teams are, we will not know, and it's yet to be known if those teams will ever come out. Teams are very secretive about the information that they do leak because they don't want to tip their hands, and let's say a team is interested in Antonio Brown that may tip their hand that they may be looking at a receiver in this draft or in free agency. So teams are very secretive as to not tipping their hand. And also another rumor that has already surfaced as well, first reported by Tony Pauline and Ian Rappaport from NFL Network is John Ross of the Cincinnati Bengals. They've basically said that they're done with the former first round pick and they just don't want anything to do with him anymore because they're just not happy with his developments at this point and they would just rather part ways. Zach Taylor is the new head coach in the building and so they don't have any ties to John Ross. They did not draft him and they just feel like he's not going to be a fit in this new offense that they're trying to innovate in Cincinnati around Andy Dalton for the present and Joe Mixon right? right? Right now. It's going to be interesting to see exactly what the conversation will be for John Ross if they do find a trade partner. I estimate or I guess that it probably would be a late round pick just because he hasn't been able to stay on the field. He's been banged up with injuries and that's the thing that really held him back at Washington as well. He wasn't able to stay healthy even though he showed explosiveness and yes, he set the 40 yard dash record with the time of four two two, 2 which is just phenomenal and probably something that we ever, probably ever won't see again just because that is just insanely fast. With John Ross his hands have always been a question mark and just if he's able to be a full-time route runner and not just a guy that can take the top off of a defense he needs to provide some type of value in different areas as opposed to just being a deep burner down the field so it's gonna be interesting to see exactly what happens with those two and there's gonna be other trade rumors that arise as well we'll see what happens with Ryan Tannehill down in Miami there's been some rumors about that as well and maybe the coaching staff wants to part ways With him and just doesn't want to pay him the rest of his contract so maybe they're able to find a trade partner like the Washington Redskins who's definitely going to be a team that's looking for a quarterback and there's going to be other teams around the league as well I'm going to be keeping tabs on the Philadelphia Eagles and Jacksonville Jaguars with the Nick Foles situation as well and maybe they do end up trading Nick Foles to the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Eagles just don't want anything to do with Nick Foles anymore and they don't place the franchise tag on him or find a way to keep him under that next year option that he does have and Nick Foles is able to buy his way out of that contract that's something he does have the option of doing as well but sticking to the NFL scouting combine side of things starting off with the first day they start with prospect interviews that is the first thing that they go through and not just with teams they go through it with the media as well I love looking at these interviews because it shows who has some type of personality or guys who are just laid back or just dry. And there are certain positions that you really look for guys to have personality. Quarterback is one where you would like to see a guy have a loving or bubbly type of personality because it shows that he can control a room and that he's just not laid back and observant or anything like that. You want a guy to be a charismatic leader and have a presence when he's at the microphone. You saw it with Baker Mayfield last year. You saw it with Lamar Jackson. Both of those guys immediately come to mind, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. Did a phenomenal job as well. Even though Rosen and Donald were, Darnold were a bit more laid back than what Jackson and Mayfield were, all of those guys had a presence at the microphone. So everyone's seen the interview with Dan Patrick and Kyler Murray where he was kind of laid back, short answered. And I want to see if that really happens with him at the microphone when he's giving these interviews. but. On the flip side of that, you have Dwayne Haskins, who was known to give great interviews, and Drew Locke as well, who was very notably known for giving his interview down at the Senior Bowl during the very very first day with Jim Nagy, who was director, who is the director of the senior bowl as well. Those are the type of things that I'm going to be looking for initially. Then we get to the on-the-field portion, and the testing is very important because now we're starting to differentiate some of these guys and breaking these groups. On our big board and into tiers. And I'm going to dive a bit deeper into the edge class a little bit later on. We have an interview with John Ledger, who did a fantastic job. and He outlines some of the things that he's going to be looking for from Brian Burns to Ja'Kai Polite to Cleveland Farrell. Some of these guys that may be graded very similarly on a draft board. But now that we're going to have the three cone, the 40 time, the short shuttle, things of that sort. Now we're going to be able to break these guys into tiers. And now we're starting to form a draft board. And that's where NFL teams are in their process right now. No board is set. Draft boards normally aren't set until a couple weeks out from the draft. And once they have all this data and they're able to collect it and survey it, what they're gonna do is they're gonna start to form their draft boards, whether that's with magnets, that's more of a old school type of approach, But now teams have these smart boards to where they just have certain players slotted in certain areas and they have a computer generated system to where they can slide players to where they want on their draft board. What I've been told, and I've asked plenty of scouts this during my time as well, even down at the senior bowl, they have anywhere from 175 to 200 players on their draft board because that's just a comfortable number to where they feel as if they can get every single type of player, no matter what the situation happens during the draft period. And something that NFL teams do, they do what's called role play. They map out every single situation that could arise during the draft. So a prime example is the first pick, the Arizona Cardinals. Let's say they take Nick Bosa at the top. Someone trades up to the number two slot ahead of the New York Jets. And let's say the Jets were just looking for a quarterback at the time. That's the type of role play that they would play out. So the Jets would have to jump to or alter their plan, because now they would be getting their second-rated quarterback on the board if their first guy went number two overall in front of them. That's just a stylistic role play that these NFL teams do during their pre-draft process because that's just the type of things that you have to get accustomed to. And you have to be prepared for that because there are certain situations that arise during the draft, and you can never predict these type of things because these teams do a phenomenal job of not showing their hands. And NFL teams are very secretive as to what they want to do. They're very secretive with their draft board, and no team is going to tip their hand because they want their guy, no matter what round it is or what pick it may be. Teams are going to go up and get their guy, or they may trade back to feel as if they can still get some players that are are very similarly graded throughout their board. It's going to be very interesting to see how this entire ordeal unfolds over the next few days. Some storylines that I'm looking for at other positions outside of quarterback. Running back, how fast are some of these guys going to run? Daryl Henderson, he's a guy I expect to run extremely fast because he has that straight line speed that you see his Memphis tape is littered with explosive runs where he's just outrunning defenders' angles that have the angle on him. So I'm really looking forward to seeing Daryl Henderson run. Devin Singletary is another guy that I will be keying in on because he doesn't have that straight line speed like a Daryl Henderson or other running backs in this class. But I just want to see how fast he really is. He looks like a 4'6 guy on tape, but if he goes out and he runs in the low four fives, I think that would be phenomenal for him because he just doesn't show to be an explosive type of runner. And that's something that he doesn't really hang his hat on. He's more of a guy that has that short area quickness. He has that make-you-miss type of playing style quick in a phone booth. And he can make guys miss. He can cut on a dime. And that's something that he really hangs his hat on. And that's the stylistic type of play that he does have. Another area that I'm going to be looking for with the running backs is guys that had minimal production as far as a receiving threat out of the backfield. And if they can catch in these on-the-field drills, because we just didn't get to see some of the guys have great production when they were in college. Damian Harris is a great example of that. Devin Singletary, again, is another great example of that as well. Even Daryl Henderson, he didn't get a whole bunch of opportunities, but he showed on tape to be a natural hands catcher. But now you you get the opportunity at the combine to really stamp that type of statement or that type of hypothesis that you thought, or that initial thought that you had coming into the combine. So that's why the combine is so key. And another thing that I'm looking forward to, the wide receivers. I am fascinated by this group because everybody in this group is really cluttered together. And DK Metcalf really seems to be the consensus wide receiver one on a lot of boards right now. And I expect them to test really well. But, The other guys that are cluttered and you really don't know how fast they may be straight line, Nikhil Harry is a great example. Hakeem Butler is a guy that is another great example as well. Who is going to differentiate themselves and separate themselves from the pack? That's something that I'm looking forward to with this wide receiver class. And also, who catches the ball well in the gauntlet and who shows crisp and precise routes while they're out there as well. A lot of guys are going to have an opportunity to separate themselves from the pack And it's not just Nikhil Harry or Hakeem Butler. We have A.J. Brown who will have a chance to really show how fast he can be straight line because he's a guy that I like to call he lives in the basement. He doesn't have that above-the-rim mentality, that guy you just see jumping over these defensive backs in the red zones. A lot of his plays are made underneath in the slot to where he likes to get yards after the catch, and he likes to use that massive body frame. Another guy is Riley Ridley from Georgia. There were a lot of mouths to feed at Georgia, and his production just wasn't there. He had 44 catches for 500-plus yards and 9 touchdowns a season ago, good for the best on the team in every single category, but... His production was still limited in his time at Georgia, and he has fantastic traits. I don't want to take that away from him, but it just makes you wonder why the ball wasn't pushed to him more just because his traits are so dominant. So at the combine, he's going to have a chance to test really well. I expect him to run in the high 4-4s or low 4-5s, and he's going to look really good running the routes because that's where he is really phenomenal at because he's very quick twitch. He can slam the brakes. Stop-start ability is really good. And those are the things that really are going to help him stand out amongst the pack. I think his route running is by far going to be the best at the event. Another guy that I will be looking forward to seeing as well. I got a chance to really key in on him down at the senior bowl. He ended up getting the MVP of the event. And that's Debo Samuel. I think he's going to have a chance to answer some durability questions that a lot of teams will have with him. Because he missed a plethora of games prior to this year. He missed 10 plus games in his time at south carolina so he's gonna have some questions that he has to answer the medical portions are going to be big for him as well on the flip side outside of the edge class staying on the defensive side of the ball i want to talk about this defensive back class and something that I look forward to seeing with defensive backs is just how good their hips are. Yes, the 40-time is really good to look at, and you always want to see fast guys run fast. That's the big event at the combine. Everybody wants to see, wants to see just how fast guys 40-times are going to be, and I expect some of these guys to run extremely fast. Byron Murphy is one that I think is going to run really well, and there's a host of other guys who I think are just going to burn up the track as well, but... My favorite part of looking at these defensive backs is just seeing who's tight-hipped and who's extremely fluid. Last year, Jair Alexander Dante Jackson were two great examples of guys who had very good hips They were what I like to call easy movers. So whenever they had to change directions or stop and start in a certain direction, flip their hips, climb the ladder, and go catch the ball in these certain drills, they were just able to do it so easily without any wasted motion. And you'll be able to see the difference because they zoom in on these guys, and depending on what drill they do, I think you're going to be able to differentiate each and every one at their position. And Byron Murphy is one that I think is going to have really good hips. Jawan Williams from Vanderbilt I think is another guy that's going to test really well – really well as well so he's listed at 6'3 i think he's going to come in at 6'2 probably hovering around 200 pounds and he's a guy i think stock is really going to rise as we get closer to the draft day because just those type of corners and with that size just don't grow on trees and the nfl is turning to guys that have these lengthy type of bodies because receivers are starting to get so much separation they want to have this length that really disrupts them at the line of scrimmage but also they want that to be combined with guys that have really good hips as well and that's something that jawan williams brings to the table rock yasin from Temple, I think he's another prospect that's going to test really well. I expect him to run in the 4-4s four as well, but I want to see just how good his hips are because that's what the defensive back position is all about. You're backpedaling, and you are you have guys running directly at you full speed. You have to be able to have really good hips, and I think defensive back is by far the hardest position in the NFL outside of quarterback because the dynamics and the genetics of it, you just have to have it. It's certain things that just can't be taught. At the position, that's why they're highly respected. Before we move on to my interview with John Ledyard, here's a word from our sponsors. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't. be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At GetEthos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars, no hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress. Getting life insurance shouldn't cause that. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in just minutes. Just go to ethos.com. That's E-T-H. O S again, that's E-T-H-O-S, GetEthos.com. I want to welcome in a very special guest, and he's a guy I really look forward to just talking to, whether that's in the DMs or, you know, here on the podcast, and that's John Ledyard, Senior NFL Draft Analyst from the Draft Network. John, how's everything going?
1: Hey, it's going great, man. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: No problem. It's pleasure to have you on here, and before I start anything, we have to resolve this resolution. So, I put on Twitter that I have not seen The Office to this point, and my mentions just were shredded <laughs> after I said that. So, you have to let me know, what exactly am I missing with The Office?
1: Oh, man, I, I'm really picky when it comes to comedy. I really am. Like, I, there's not many shows that I really like. Like, I saw the people talking about How I Met Your Mother and some of the other shows that went out there. I just... You know, I think there's funny things about them, but I would never like sit down and watch them. The Office for me is that one show I can just rewatch and rewatch and rewatch. Characters are amazing, script, dialogue, the way that they include all the characters, and build on their characters as the show goes. I just think, yeah, it's it's something else, man. I, I'm telling you what, if you check this out, I think you might get hooked. And but then it takes away from your productivity this time of year, so it's like a summer plan type of thing, you know.
0: Yeah, and so last year it was Game of Thrones for me. I put up I had never watched it before and once again I got shredded for saying I hadn't watched that. So <laughs> this year it definitely will be the office when I get some downtime. So that's my project this summer. I'm looking forward to doing it. But the reason we're here, the NFL Scouting Combine is starting this week. I know you guys, the T D N team are um, flying up to Indianapolis here soon, and you guys are going to do some great coverage up there. But there's a whole bunch of scouting combine storylines, and I just want to pick your brain a little bit, or what are some of the things that you're looking forward to?
1: Yeah, I think one of the things I always look forward to is watching the edge defenders work out. It's my favorite position to scout, um, and I think that uh, testing really is important for the position. So especially this year, I mean, Josh Allen, Brian Burns, Chicago Light all kind of clumped together for me. Some people have Montez Sweat above them, Cleveland Pharrell in, in that mix. And Rashawn Gary, is he an edge? You get a test like an edge. You know, everybody's kind of not even talking about Nick Bose. Everybody likes him, but, you know, nobody's talking about him really right now. And so uh, I just think, man, it, that testing can really break up this group and establish, you know, who are the disappointments, who are the guys that are, I think, have the traits to really excel at the next level, and especially guys like Allen and, and Brian Burns and Polite. You know, I know Polite and Burns look athletic but they're also a little bit light maybe for the position. So weight adjust their numbers and how do they come out then? Uh, They really have to test really well because they're a little bit lighter. If they do indeed come in a little bit lighter, Um, I think for a guy like Allen, he put on some weight fast and you can see some bend. but he does tend to gear down a little bit when he bends at the top of the arc. So I really think all of them, you know, as much tape as I watched, it was a little bit harder to tell if they had elite traits or not. Um, I think polite is really athletic, but I do worry about how light he is and how much that may impact things. So, um, I think all three of them can test really well and help themselves, but my guess is we'll see somebody break out amongst the among, from amongst the group and establish themselves as kind of the best tester. So that's the position for me. <clears throat> I can't wait to watch the edge defenders work out.
0: Yeah, and I'm really glad that you said that because that's a perfect segue to what the next thing that I was going to ask you and just when you're watching these guys, there's all different types of body types. I know you mentioned Brian Burns and Ja'Kai Polite. They're guys that are much smaller than some of these other guys, like a Josh Allen or even a Montez Sweat. There's just different types of body structure, and Cleveland Farrell is another example of that. So when you're watching these guys on film, just what are some traits that you're looking for to differentiate some of these guys?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the three cone's a big one, right? I mean, it kind of denotes bend and edge and flexibility kind of in edge defenders, so I think that's a big one. But also, the 10 yard, I think that's important as well. And the jumps, too, lower body explosiveness. And you always have to come back to the tape. I mean, we've seen guys test really well uh, in recent years, even. You know, remember Jordan Willis? I just didn't see anything I'd like from him really on tape. He tested unbelievable, like everything across the board. And you put on his tape and you just didn't see it. So you always have to go back to that. But, you know, if you thought you saw it on tape, then, you know, the testing reinforced it. That's great. And if you didn't see it on tape, uh, and then testing suggests it's there, you go back and at least watch him, I think. Um, and you know I did that with Willis, and I still didn't see it, and I ended up with a low grade on him. And he hasn't done anything so far. And that's an example where it works out. And then Gusecki, Mike Gusecki, a different position, but I mean, he tested unbelievable, like one of the best athletes ever at the position or ever at the combine. When you weigh adjust his numbers, he doesn't play that athletic at all. But I mean he plays, he played decently athletic, but not like he tested. You know he tested like Vernon Davis athletic. So um, all things to consider for sure. Uh, most of the time it's reinforced. But there's always a couple surprises every year and a couple guys that test a little bit better than you think to make you go back to tape. And really, one of the best parts is guys who are smaller school or weren't on your radar as much as they should have been, they test great and they make you go back and watch them and prioritize them. So uh, that's one of the things that makes the combine really fun for me.
0: Yeah, and I'm right there with you on the three cone. And Cleveland Farrell is a guy that we've debated about a lot and We want to see just how great his three cone is because I think the biggest thing out there about him is he has a really good first step. But his burst kind of flames out after his first step. We want to see just how well he bends in corners. And another guy I wanted to ask you about is Brian Burns. I just want to get your prediction, and I know you're really high on him. I believe he's probably going to end up in your top 20 once your last or your latest update of your big board does come out. So with his weight, is it a huge concern with you if he does weigh, let's say, 235 pounds or Just what is a target area that you think will be a good weight for him?
1: Yeah, I think Brian Burns is going to weigh right around two hundred and fifty at the combine. I think he played for everything I've heard pretty reliably. He played around two hundred and forty-one, two hundred and forty-four, somewhere between there uh, this past season. People kind of talk two hundred and twenty-five with him, but I think people underestimate when you're that tall. You're not going to be that light. You know, it kind of adds some weight to you just by having that kind of uh, that kind of height. So. Um, I don't think he's, like, super skinny or anything. Uh, he just has a longer frame, so it looks that way. He plays pretty strong on tape, too. So my biggest thing with Burns is that you're right. Like, his numbers weight-adjusted have to hold up. Um, and so if he's 250, that's fine. But if he is 240 or something like that, and you're light for an edge defender, um, you know, especially considering his height, that factors in as well, then I think you really have to post impressive numbers. You know, last year, Arden key's numbers weren't terrible, but then he was, like, 236 pounds. So when you factored that in, It was like, wow, his numbers are bad. I I should say his numbers were average, and then when you weight adjusted them, they got a lot worse because you realized how light he was, too, uh, for the position. So um, I think Burns kind of, there's some similarities in the body types a little bit, but Burns is a way better, more consistent player, snap to snap, and I think testing is going to be super important for him, though, to prove that he is a great athlete, even for his weight, uh, that he knows how to use his athleticism, and hopefully he can bulk up a little bit and maintain and keep some of that athleticism and explosiveness that he shows on tape.
0: So we've talked about some of the bigger names in the group, but this second and third tier, I think is pretty deep as well. You talk about an O'Shane Zemenez, a Jalen Ferguson, or guys of that type. So who are some guys in the second or third tier that you're looking forward to seeing as well?
1: I think Chase Winovich, honestly. Uh, I really like his tape. I think he has a little bit better flexibility than people give him credit for. Um, I, I actually, he, I wasn't really expecting to like him, to be honest. Uh, he really impressed me. And then, Christian Miller, I hope he's healthy enough. I just He's been banged up throughout his career. I love his flashes. I think he can be a really good player, but nothing's consistent enough right now with him just because he can't stay on the field. And so he's just kind of used sparingly at Alabama. But I really think there's some upside there. I want to see how he tests. So those are probably the two guys I'm looking most forward to. And then the deep sleeper is probably Daryl Johnson from North Carolina A&T. Uh, he's not ready to play or anything like that. But if you're just looking for a guy late in the draft, you know, to be able to uh, uh, kind of develop a little bit at the position. He has some, some decent speed, I think, for an edge guy, and I think he's definitely got some bend and flexibility that's pretty, honestly, pretty rare in terms of the way that he moves. And he's, he's, he's tall, too. He's like 6'5". So um, he's one of, uh, just from a pure developmental perspective, I want to see that the, the traits kind of match up with what I see on tape because he'd be the guy that I kind of want to take day three and try to develop at the position.
0: Yeah, and I'm right there with you. Actually, it's funny you say that because I was actually watching Johnson today against Alcorn State, I believe it was, and he was showing some really good bend in that game. And he's a bit light, I will say that, but he really has some fantastic bend, and I think his burst is pretty good as well. We'd like to see him gain some more weight too. I think he needs to put some more weight on his frame, but I'm right there with you. I think he can be that day three type of guy that you love to bet on and end up turning out as a good player maybe two to three years down the road as well. So before I get you out of here, I have to ask you, the Pittsburgh Steelers, man, there's a lot going on. <laughs> I mean, there's no word to really describe it right now with the Antonio Brown situation, Le'Veon Bell, finally, finally being let go and being a free agent, and Big Ben Roethlisberger, the questions coming out about his leadership, just what is going on in Pittsburgh? Yeah,
1: man, it's crazy. I think a lot of people are taken them by surprise because Pittsburgh's youth is such a beacon of stability in the NFL. and I don't know that necessarily they won't get back to that, but they certainly aren't going to this season anyway. And this has been coming for a while, man. And I've been talking about it coming for a while. And I don't mean specifically with Antonio Brown. That part's kind of surprised me a little bit. I think there are things going on with him personally that have really uh, kind of avalanched in this whole situation and made it even worse than it is. But uh, I think that honestly, at the end of the day, Pittsburgh's kind of chosen to align with Ben Roethlisberger's style of leadership. I don't think it's necessarily horrible style of leadership like some make it out to be in the media, but at the same time, the fact that they've aligned themselves so obviously with him uh, is probably not the best move from a front office coaching standpoint. Um, you know, I don't think they needed to, Kevin Colbert needed to go to the length that he did uh, in his press conference to kind of back off. And I think that will rub some people the wrong way. Uh, I think bottom line is that Mike Tomlin, if, if Leadership has always been his calling card, and I think it really, he's done a he's been in 11 years, you know, in Pittsburgh. So, I mean, he's done a really good job of being a great leader. He has also made some mistakes and been lenient in some ways that have now come back to bite him, and that is really threatening his best trait, which is as a leader and as a culture locker room type of guy. Um, X's and O's has never been his calling card and strong suit. So, it is str- I'm struggling to kind of find the reason to believe that it's going to turn around under Tomlin. Uh, given some of the, the, the direction things have gone recently. So I think Pittsburgh is competitive next year. Playoffs are going to be a question mark, I think. Uh, I don't think things get better for sure. Uh, I don't think the team plays better, and I think you're going to see that start to slow up downhill a little bit uh, over the course of the next couple of years. And then it's really going to depend on either next regime change at quarterback or how they draft at the or next regime change at coach or how they draft at the quarterback position. I think that's going to determine the long-term outlook for the franchise. But right now, yeah, I think they'll be probably between 9 and 7 and 6 and 10 next year, if I had to guess. At this point in time, obviously, a long offseason to go, but that's kind of the direction I see the team heading in.
0: Wow. It's going to be really interesting to see exactly what happens with them this offseason and where Antonio Brown really does end up, and we know negotiations and trade rumors really pick up around the combine. And Last little tidbit I want to get to before I let you run. This new draft simulator on the draft network it has twitter buzzing and (laughs) every fan from every every fan base has really been on this thing so i'm just going to let you explain it a little bit and what's went in behind it
1: yeah so i mean it really it's kind of been a work for us for a long time and just in terms of my head at least (laughs) you know for a long time it's kind of been like okay i know it's not the first simulator ever out there but really just wanted to make it a comprehensive simulator that was realistic and that had an algorithm that worked and made it realistic and so Um, we're proud of it for sure a ton of help from everybody on staff and ben Solak did an unbelievable job working with a lot of the algorithm and our web developers as well the company developing for us has been unbelievable um, in terms of developing that and building into what it is and still definitely working out some kinks even today i was moving some players around the board to get the best results for people you'd have beta testers go through it and You know, you see a couple different results, but when a ton of people are using it, giving you feedback at once, it's really helpful. So I actually think by the end of the week, a week or two, we'll have it even better, uh, even more polished up. We'll add compix in there uh, this week as well, which is going to help for sure. But yeah, it's a great fun tool, and I build your own big board. You know, is really a blast too because you can save as many big boards as you want. You can make positional boards, and uh, you can use those and link them into your articles, and it's going to help people produce content, uh, but also share their opinions and thoughts and make themselves the experts on social media as well. So uh, it's fun stuff. Uh, the draft is fun. uh The site is fun. We want the personalities, the podcast to all be fun as well. So we think the simulator really kind of reinforces that as our mission, but also let's learn something while we're having fun. You know, there's lots of opportunities to learn, read about those players, read our perspectives on those players, and then to be able to offer your own perspectives as well on players. So, uh, we just, we're excited about the tools. We're excited about the site. We think things will only keep getting better over the next couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and it's really awesome. I highly encourage you. If you have not tried it out, make sure you go try that out. John, where can we find you on Twitter?
1: Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Ledyard, L-E-D-Y-A-R-D-N-F-L-Draft. And you can follow the Draft Network at Draft Network LLC. And I just want to thank you once again for coming on. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: No problem. Good luck in Indy. Really fun interview right there with John Ledyard from the Draft Network and I want to give a special shout out to those guys because the Draft Simulator that they have done and what they have put out to the community has just been phenomenal. It's really good stuff. Something that you can play around with because every NFL fan wants to feel as if they're in the GM seat and the driver's seat of what their team is going to do this offseason. That's something that the Draft Simulator allows you to do. is a fantastic idea and it's something that really came together really nicely. So once again, kudos to them. I want to thank John again for coming on a really bright mind a guy that I really do respect in this industry as well he's been in the industry for a while one of the biggest up and comers as well so i want to make sure you guys make sure you kick back and just enjoy the nfl combine this week because it's going to be a wild ride there's going to be so much going on this week from trade rumors coming about to contract negotiations to teams being linked to free agents to injury news coming out about prospects we are officially at the kickoff of the NFL offseason, and just make sure you enjoy the ride. That's going to happen this week, and I'm going to make sure I do my best to bring you the best coverage as possible on this podcast and on Twitter as well. So make sure to shoot me a follow on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. That's at JREIDNFL. Again, that's JREIDNFL. Give me a follow on there. I'm going to be posting some very insightful information, things that I'm hearing as well. So you don't want to miss it leave a five-star review and make sure to subscribe and make sure to subscribe to the podcast as well. Thank you for listening.